I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Plenty of opportunity out there today for a lot of guys uh, with the lineup that we had. And that was an opportunity for them to compete and earn a spot or possibility of earning a spot. And we didn't do that. You know, we're still building and implementing, and 85% of the film for tomorrow is already planned out. They may see a few things about tonight's game, but, you know, I think the best thing about this game is that it's over now and we can put it away and go back to building and implementing how we want to play. It was tough all around, I think, in the first, you know, we're going chance for chance with them, and, you know, there's a couple goals that were, uh, I think, as a team, as any team, you know, to get one tip is a, is a good night. But they, I mean, they had a few there, and uh, the bosses didn't go our way, and they, they, you know, they ended up working a little bit harder than us uh, tonight. That was Sabres coach Dan Bilesma, followed by now Rochester American Justin Bailey, and that was uh, who Brayton had referred to as the other local guy getting sent down to Rochester. Fitting song to open this segment. Uh, watch NHL. Was this from? Oh, 2004, I believe okay. it was. Okay. I want to say this was NHL 04. Iconic NHL game song. One this... of the best NHL EA sport oh, games, games that ever put made. out there. Ever made. I agree. Soundtrack and gaming-wise, such a terrific, uh, terrific game. I don't know what the heck is going on, but uh, Notre Dame is up 23-20 to in the second quarter on Syracuse, and I'm losing... Not only my sanity, uh, but uh, I am losing all faith on my football teams quite early here. Freaking Syracuse. All right. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to get into some Sabres talk this hour. Uh, I want to go through the list of players that were sent down. A few are still pending waivers, uh, so you may have to wait a little while on finding out about Daniel Catnacci, whether or not he gets wa- he gets uh, claimed off waivers. I think we could safe to say he's probably going to be He'll probably won't get claimed. He'll probably go down to Rochester, but you never know. Another guy, Cole Schneider, um, who I would mentioned last hour as one of the guys getting pulled down um, to Rochester. He's also pending waivers because of his age, Brayton alerted me of. Um, Cole Schneider could be a guy that, that potentially gets claimed somewhere around the league. Uh, I, I like what he can do. It's just for whatever reason, he can't seem to stick at the NHL roster. This is a pretty deep forward team. Um, so, you know, you had to figure maybe... Maybe he had a shot, but he had to do a lot of. He had to do what Derek Grant did in preseason and training camp to really make the uh, the impression on uh, the coaching staff. But I want to go through some other guys that also are getting sent down. Justin Bailey, obviously, as we mentioned there. William Carrier, I'm an interesting name. Obviously, Kent Nachi, Eric Cornell, um, Gene du- Dupois. Is that it? Jean Dupuis. Jean Dupuis. Okay, well, I was way off. Uh, Vaclav Karabacek. Justin Kia, Evan Rodriguez, who I thought maybe had an opportunity. He'll be one of those first call-ups, though. He'll be he'll be definitely, I think, one of those guys that will be called up uh, when there's an throughout. I would say a season. skilled position guy last that goes year, down. Last year he was called up because there were a couple of guys that were injured, so he got his chance, scored a goal in the in the last game of the season. Uh, I definitely think that Evan Rodriguez could potentially 
get back to the NHL, have a have another call up or two where he plays a few games here and there. And then, uh, as I mentioned, Cole Schneider, Brady Austin, Bryson, 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 Bryson Martin, and uh, Jason Kasdorf, who struggled yesterday. Well, it didn't help because Robin Leonard was supposed to get the start, but they yes. scratched him late because of an arm contusion, which, according to Dan Bilesma, was just a precaution. There's nothing they should worry about. Uh, but, I mean, a, a young kid like that who was signed to a, to his rookie deal last year, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, especially at the NHL level, like, even for a team like Toronto, who's got a lot of young talent, but they were ha- they did have some players who were NHL talent on that roster last night. Yeah, Mitch Marner, I think, is going to be one of those fringe guys, same year as the Eichel uh, McDavid draft. Went so he, fourth, fourth overall. So uh, he's a guy that could probably see some time this year. What I want to go through first here, Brayton, is some of the defensemen that stuck on, um, including a guy like Tyson Strachan, who I think is going to be in Rochester when it's all said and done, but interesting that he's one of those guys that uh, that stuck on. Then you've got a guys like Brendan uh, Gooley. What are your thoughts on him continuing to stay at this level, maybe as your seventh defenseman? Because I think that's probably where he would be, but the problem is with him is he's young. I think he should probably get playing time and go down to Rochester and be able to play every night on well, their first can't. line. That's the problem. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's, he that's has right. to he's go going back, back to, to juniors. juniors. Yeah, he's still he's still got one more year left of eligibility, and he has That's to tough. go back according to the the rules with the NHL. Otherwise, and he has Canadian to stay up. League. Right, has to stay up. Yes, exactly. I don't but, think they want to do that. Here's here's what I see with Brendan Gooley. He's a left-handed shot defenseman. He skates extremely well. He's he's always joining the rush. He's able to get back. That's that's one thing that makes him so good is that he's able to get back into the rush after he joins an offensive rush. He's just such a strong skater. Now. Uh, there's there's guys, I mean, let's go through the obvious players that are going to be on the roster, and we'll include Rasmus Ristolainen in here. Yeah, that's what I'm doing as well. Assuming that we have a contract signed before the start of the season. You got Jake McCabe, Dmitry Kulikov, Josh Georges, Cody Franzen, and Zach Bogosian. There's your six. Now, if Ristolainen isn't there, then you're going to have five. So, my, think- and and here's here's another thing that is a little bit of a, of a, we'll I don't, a wild I card. Say, yeah, a little bit more of a wild card. Casey Nelson, I, I thought, say. has had a phenomenal training camp this year. So he then, came in last year and played really well in his time. He struggled a little bit, just but I mean, but he, he just came out of college and went yeah. straight from college to the NHL. You know but. who I think, ultimately, I, I think Franson and Nelson are your 6-7. I, I know that they're probably going to want Nelson, if he's not playing every night, to go play every night, but who is your other guy you're going to say is going to be your 7th defenseman? And that's someone that... The competition for the seventh defenseman spot has been something Dad Miles has talked about, mm-hmm. especially on those West Coast trips. You're going to use that seventh defenseman, and right. you're going to want someone that you can trust back there. It, Justin Falk doesn't really do anything for me. As I mentioned, Tyson Strachan doesn't do a lot for me. So then, to me, Franson seems to be like that seventh guy where I think Casey Nelson has shown enough to warrant maybe that sixth defenseman spot to be playing more consistency, more consistently, I should say. Right. And then having, you know, maybe him and Franson in and out of the lineup, I think that's probably the play there for that sixth and seventh defensive spot. Where I see this going is I think Justin Falk will make the Sabres roster at least to start the season. He'll be that seventh defenseman. Uh, if Ristolainen isn't signed, then that could change a little bit. But I think that with Ristolainen, I think that Justin Falk, of these guys that are currently here that have 
maybe, I mean, Justin Falk has played in the NHL. He's played with a couple of teams. He just won the Calder Cup last year with the Lake Erie Monsters. Uh, and he's a big guy, 6'5", 224 pounds. I think that while, you know, he's, you know, not the the greatest of a skater, in my opinion, I still think that he's uh, NHL, he's that perfect seventh NHL defenseman. Uh, one guy that's really impressed and. Dan Bilesma has raved about him as Eric Bergdorfer. He played Mm -hmm. five years in the East Coast Hockey League with Bakersfield, and then he was signed by the Hershey Bears last year in the American Hockey League and played extremely well for them, helping them uh, on that blue line, on really a strong blue line, get to the Calder Cup finals or the semifinals or uh, deep into the playoffs in the AHL. Let's just go with that. But I think that Bergdorfer will go down to Rochester, Taylor Fadoon, he was, um, I think he was injured earlier. He just got back to the ice a little while ago, so he's likely going to just stay up here until he's healthy and then go back to Rochester. Uh, but the but the ones that are really the wild cards for me are Brendan Gooley and Casey Nelson. I think that if Ristolainen isn't signed, then you'll have Falk as your seven guy, and then I would see that Brendan Gooley would get into the lineup. I think that he would get his nine games, and then Casey Nelson will go back to Rochester, and that's not a knock on Casey Nelson. I think a little bit more time in Rochester will help Nelson bulk up a little bit because that's his downside. He moves the puck very well. He's a very good skater. I think that's partially the reason why that they were able to make Mark Pezik so expendable when they traded him to get Kulikov, but... Casey Nelson, a little bit more time in Rochester, I think would help him greatly. I think he'd be a leader on that blue line. I think he'd, I mean, he's one guy that commands respect, commands the puck a lot. And I think that some time in Rochester would help Casey Nelson. But if you had to peg me here on the seven defensemen, you got your obvious five. Let's say we're still and signed, then there you go. There's your six. And then I think Justin Falk would be the seventh. Brendan Gooley will go back to juniors. And then Casey Nelson will go to the AHL. But. If Ristolainen is not signed and they're still having contract issues, I think that you could see Brendan Gooley easily stick around, uh, get a little bit of playing time. But the only problem there is that you'd have a little bit of an, uh, I think you'd have an off of right-handed to left-handed defenseman because Ristolainen would be a right-handed guy. Casey Nelson's a right-handed guy, so he'd be able to fit in that slot. But I think that if Brendan Gooley continues playing the way he has been, I think that the Sabres maybe should give him that shot, give him a few games, maybe not the full nine games, but at least give him a few games before sending him back to juniors. But I mean, it's unfortunate because Brendan Gooley's got a lot of upside, a lot of potential, and, you know, you'd want him to stick around, but I think that, you know, he's just got to go back to juniors for one more year. He's got to continue to play the way he has been. Uh, And if he can do that, I think maybe next year there could be a roster spot for him here, if not in Rochester, and he could be one of the top defensemen down there. Where it gets interesting, Brayton, is on the forward side of things. Obviously, with Matt Molson and Brian Gianta, you don't exactly have a lot of room for those younger players, a guy like Hudson Fashing, a guy like... And here's, here's where I think it gets interesting, and it's that fourth line. I think the first three lines are basically wrapped up right now, unless you have Hudson Fashing just outperform Marcus Foligno, which at this point, it doesn't seem to be where that's heading. That's the only other real role I could see. I don't see Nylander. There's no way this team keeps Nylander to have him on the fourth line. It doesn't make sense. Um, that's not the role I think Tim Murray had envisioned him when he talked about it on Show Up in the Bulldog the other day, said that there's a case where you could be, that could be made that Nylander plays in this team in a role, but it's certainly not the fourth line on that fourth line with potentially like Larson and Delorier. That's not the role I think this team envisions them 
um, going with with Nylander in the first year. He goes back to Rochester, in my opinion, and plays there. Here's where it gets interesting. That fourth center spot, now with Derek Grant playing so well, does he potentially push Larson out of that fourth center spot? That's a real battle happening here. Unless they feel that you know Grant can play a wing position and you keep Larson, but then that kicks out Deloria, and I think Deloria has a safe spot on this team. His role is needed on this team. There's not a lot of guys that will be willing to do what Deloria does on a nightly basis, so I think Deloria is probably safe at one of those wing positions. And then you start to wonder where the heck does Molson fit into this whole thing? Where does a guy like and you don't want to say it's unfortunate, but Giants at this point on this roster sort of potentially taking a spot away from a guy like Fashing, a spot away from a guy like potentially Baptiste, who I think is another guy who's unquestionably going down um, when this is all said and done. But but Tim Murray alluded to it. He was impressed with what Baptiste has done so far in training camp and what he's brought to the table. He got dinged up yesterday in the game. I think he'll still be fine and still be in this race towards the end here. But as I mentioned, I think your first three lines are pretty set in stone. You've got Ryan O'Reilly, you know Kyle Oposo, and Tyler Ennis, I think, who fit nicely together. That's your first line. Your second line... Eichel, Kane, Reinhardt, I think that's probably also set in stone. Then your third line of Zemgis Gergensen's Marcus Foligno, and Brian Gianta. That's really been your your most consistent, your mainstay line right there at the third line. I think that's that those guys do what you need them to do. That's where the fourth line comes in, and maybe the battles really start to heat up here. Is Derek Grant showing enough? He did really well, and what is what you want to say about Derek Grant, maybe that he shows a little bit of offensive flash. That's not what you're going to really expect from your fourth-line center. What he was doing really well at one point yesterday, he was 9 out of 11, I think it was, at the faceoff circle. I know that was in midway through the second period when I was listening, but later on in the game, I don't know how he did for the rest of the game yesterday, but... Those are impressive numbers. Larson has struggled with consistency. If Grant can come in, be consistent in the circle, be consistent not only in face-off defensive zone, defensive zone face-offs, but play a good defensive game, I think he could take Larson's spot on this roster and Larson be maybe that guy. Him and Larson maybe are that, you know, what? What would you call it? Your, you know, 10th, 11th. I, there are some guys here, and then you have Fashing, and then that's where I think the battle, I think unfortunately with his cap figure, Molson is a lock to make this roster because of his cap figure. You're not going to put him on waivers and have to pay that. You're just not going to do that. So Molson then takes it, and then you're looking at the battle between, who I think this is really going to be the battle here for your final two spots between Fashing and Grant can Grant the I think the only way Grant makes the roster is if he's able to take over that fourth center position away from Larson, which is going to be difficult to do because Dan Bilesma likes Larson and what he brings. But I think that's the battle to think about here, and it's going to be between Molson and Fashing. And I think by default it goes to Molson. So then I think you have Fashing he, Fashing heading back down to Rochester along with Nylander. Uh, Baptiste, and you also have a guy named Estefan, right? He's Giorgio gonna, Estefan, yeah. He's probably not going to make this roster. He's probably going to go back. He goes to Rochester, I believe, right? Or does he go no, back he goes to, back to, to junior? Okay, yep. so he, he goes, goes back, back to junior. To junior. Um, and then... I think that's really it for the offense. Oh, yeah. obviously, I don't, I don't think obviously Cal is one of those call up guys. Um, you know, he'll be in the mix, but he's an AHL guy. I mean, the max you can have on your roster is 23. So the ideal is you want to have two goalies. Uh, seven defensemen and 13 or 14. You can have 22 on your roster as well, but the ideal is 13 or 14 forwards. Yep. And, of course, Ryan O'Reilly is going to be back really soon. Uh, Bilesma, I think, said yesterday in pregame that he's expected to be back within the coming days. 
he wouldn't have been surprised if he was at the game last night, but just in the crowd watching. But um, I, I totally agree with you. I think that the top two lines are Kane, Eichel, Reinhardt, Ennis, Ryan O'Reilly, and Kyle Poso. After that, I just can't see the Sabres splitting up the line of Felino, Larson, and Gianta. I think that's your that's your third line, right. maybe fourth that's line. That's my there. thought on it. Yep. And then things get really interesting with the, your your last line. You have Matt Molson, Derek Grant, Zemgus Gergensons. I think that's a name that we haven't mentioned here yet. Yep. Nick Delorier, Cal O'Reilly, even guys like Nylander, Hudson Fashing. I think that if you know if injuries happen or you know whatever the case may be, I think that if everything stays. Same right now. Nothing happens. I think your fourth line would be something like Matt Molson on the left or right side. You'd probably, with the way Derek Grant's playing, you'd probably give him that chance. Give him the chance. Why not? Put him as the fourth line center, and then you have Zemgus Gergensen's on the opposite wing of Matt Molson. So then who do you have centering that third line? On the on the third line? Yes. I have the third line being Felino Larson Gianta. But on the fourth line, oh, it would be okay. Derek Grant centering the fourth line. See, yeah, my thought is, and that's going to be another, I think, question is, do they decide that Gergensen's is a wing player or do they decide he's a pivot player? Because if they decide that he is in the middle, I think he, but I think you're right. And I didn't really take into account that Larson did have some chemistry with that third line of Felino and Gianta. So maybe it's Larson and, and Zemgis there and you put Zemgis on the wing on the fourth line. These are these are battles I think that we're going to continue talking about as we move forward. And as I mentioned, we're going to have um, Brian Koziel on next with us, so we're going to get his opinions on that as well. But eight hundred three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. If you've got some thoughts on this Sabres roster, some interesting decisions coming up here. Some interesting decisions looming for Dan Bylsma, and I think Hudson Fashing is one of those guys that's an interesting decision because do you keep Hudson Fashing as? you know, your 13th or 14th forward and have him, I think you want him playing every day. And that's why I think you either put him at that fourth line wing or you send him down to to Rochester and let him play every single night on probably the first or second line in Rochester. So to me, it's a difficult decision. And and, and what's going to play into that decision with Hudson Fashing is if Zemgis Gergensen is going to play wing or center. And I think you're right. And I think with the emergence of Derek Grant, potentially that is an easier decision for Dan Bilesma to put him at wing and have that fourth line, which I think would be a dynamic fourth line to have on this team if, with, you know, Derek Grant centering um, Gergensen's and Delorier. You have that right mix of, you know, grit with Delorier, and you have that right mix of a little bit of skill, I think, with Zemgis Gergensen's and at least from Derek Grant, what we've seen. Um, but then again, you have that lineup. Where's Molson? Molson's then your 13th forward, and maybe you don't have Molson playing every day, and you can have him come in and play on your third and fourth line. But these are decisions on some of these veteran forwards that I think this team needs to really figure out is what is Gianta's role this year? Is this a guy that's going to play 15 minutes a night? I don't know that that should be the plan for an, an aging Brian Gianta, I don't love the prospects of of losing the ability to develop a guy like Hudson Fashing at this level. Having Brian Gianta on your roster, you lose that ability to develop one of these guys at the pro level, opposed to having them go play in in uh, in, in Rochester. So I don't love the prospects of Gianta on the roster, but I'll you know maybe I'll be wrong. The thing with Brian Gianta is he's on the last year of his contract. He's he's the captain of the team. He's a veteran. He you know it's not like he's not a bad player. I mean, he should probably play. He's probably one of those guys you want to have in the lineup. But the thing is, is that with the Hudson Fashing, 
there is no reason that he should be here just sitting on the bench in the press box yep. and waiting to get his chance. These young guys that I mean, we saw it last year when you know when players were getting injured and Tim Murray's calling up Dan Cadenacci over a guy like Justin Bailey or somebody else who's playing that well. You're not going to put a guy on the fourth line like a kid like Hudson Fashing or Justin Bailey or Nick Baptiste and let him just play eight minutes a night. Like, no point. I mean, that, there's no point in that. You're not going to get anything out of that out of that production at all. The best thing to do is to have these guys like Delorier, have a guy like Cal O'Reilly, have a guy even like Derek Grant to play that fourth Excuse me, that fourth line role. I got the hiccups all of a sudden, but that fourth line role, let them play that. And then, you know, they might be able to get 10 minutes. They might be able to get eight minutes. But then the young kids, the young kids that are still looking to make that jump to the NHL, and they will probably within the next year or two, but they need to play Rochester. They need to play and develop there, be the best they can be in Rochester, help them get down the road and get back to the playoffs. Because, I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time Rochester was in the playoffs. It's been a while. But the fact is, is that there's no point with these young kids sitting on the bench, sitting in the press box. So that's why you don't want to have Hudson Fashing here. You don't want to have Justin Bailey unless they have a guaranteed roster spot. All right, 803-0551, I'll take one call here before we go to break. We've got Brian Cozio coming around the other side. Alex, you're on Sports Talk Saturday. How are you, Alex? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Doing well. So, uh, yeah, you guys were talking about uh, Gianna just a minute ago um, and talking about, you know, how he pre- presents a roster spot. Um, and, honestly, I kind of wanted to bring up, you know, this is kind of the tail end of Gianna's career, and you can kind of already start to see that the guy is in decline. And I understand that, you know, maybe he brings a little bit of veteran experience to the team. But, honestly, I think we have some more talented and, quite frankly, competent guys that can really step up into a leadership position and really set a better example for you know some of the young guys that we're bringing in on the roster. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Alex. I agree, and one of the things that I think is the reason Giants on the roster is for that leadership aspect. And I think you're right. I think there are some, you know, there are some lead, quote unquote leaders kind of hanging in the balance here. You've got Ryan O'Reilly, who I think is ready to take over that C role and be the captain of this team. And you've got other guys like Zach Bogosian, who I think is another good leader, a good veteran on this team who is ready to kind of take that next step as a leader. And then you've got guys like, you know, Marcus Felino who have been around for a while. You've got guys like, I think, Kyle Oposo, who's, who's really come in and taken that leadership role as a veteran. So you've got guys, I think, who are ready to take on that role. And you're right about the inconsistencies in his play. The last two years where he's been at his best has been really in the last 20, 25 games of the season where he seems to get hot and then has some chemistry with Felino, has some chemistry with Larson. But otherwise, the other, you know, 70 something, you know, the other 65 games during the season, he's pretty quiet. And let's not forget that there's other leaders on this team, aside from the guys that have been here a while or been more experienced, like you say, with Bogosian and Felino. There are the there's kids like Reinhardt and Eichel yeah. who have been leaders before, who are going out on the ice and being a leader by example, just playing hard, playing with a lot of you know, just going out, skating hard, shooting a lot of pucks, being a leader on the offense, being a leader in the defensive zone. Ryan O'Reilly is the type of guy that we all assume he's gonna be the next captain, and he, you know, he probably probably should be, but then you got to see the other guys on the roster and just say, like, look, Jack's playing elite-style hockey, maybe not right now, but, I mean, in the in another year or two, we hope to see that he'll be playing as one of the best players in the league. He's going to be one of those players that will just lead by example. He doesn't really have to say much in the locker room because there's other guys to do that. So I think that with Brian Gianta, 
He serves his purpose this year. He's still a good hockey player. Like, I mean, he's still NHL worthy, and, and I get it. Like, the past two years, he's been hurt to start the year. He comes out, plays really, really rough to start out. And then towards the end of the year, he comes back, and he's on fire, ready to go. Now, it seems like he's healthy this year, and I think that it's a good sign that he's healthy. But, I mean, the fact is, Brian Giants is going to play out his contract here. Maybe at the trade deadline he gets traded. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he wants to go to a contender before maybe he retires or something. Who knows? But I think that Gianta plays out the final year of his deal here. I think that he will be in Buffalo this entire year. Uh, and then after that, who knows? Who knows? Yep. I, but I think that this year will probably be the last year Gianta's on this roster, no doubt. Okay, we've got Brian Koziel joining us next. We'll continue. We'll get some of his thoughts on the conversation Brayton and I just had. We'll also talk a little Ryder Cup action as well as that gets underway day three today. So that'll be something to pay attention to. So more Brian Koziel next. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Nate Geary and Brayton Wilson alongside with me. This is WGR. It's my hometown. I, you know, it's a dream of mine to play here full time. And um, when you look at the roster and see a couple spots like that, it's always you know an important thing. It gives you a little bit added incentive uh, for sure. Local guy, Justin Bailey. There, he was sent down to Rochester. I believe it was this morning. It was announced. Um, some of the roster gets cut down to 33 guys. It needs to get down to about 33 in the next week or so. 23. 23. I'm sorry. I said 33. That's what it is at right right now. now, It has to be cut down to 23, so that'll happen in the next uh, week or so. But now on the AT&T Hotline, we bring in Brian Koziel. Uh, Brian, uh, some interesting, you know, up and down moves today happening. Um, Anything of note? Are you surprised about any guys that maybe were brought down to Rochester? You were expecting maybe a little bit longer of a look here at the pro level. I guess I would say no. I mean, I know that Probably fans will see Justin Bailey's name there and maybe would hope that he would get a few more games. But I thought he was probably outplayed by a couple of forwards, including one I know you mentioned last segment, Derek Grant. So, you know, I guess ultimately at the end, we know Bailey, if he needs or can come up and play NHL games, can do it. He was a high-energy guy in his couple of games we saw with him last year. And the best thing for him, I'll you know, I'll go Paul Hamilton route here, is – to be one of the leaders in Rochester and play it, have a ton of ice time and grow his offensive game. We all, you know, we all know about his energy and all that already. So I think that's probably the best spot for him. And, you know, whether it happens today or whether it happens next Thursday after a couple more preseason games, I guess ultimately doesn't matter. So uh, that was probably the biggest name that I would say that fans might have a reaction to, but I think it's probably the smart move. So, Nylander's still on the roster. We, me and Brayton were talking a little bit about it. It would have to be something drastic, I think, would have to happen for him uh, to make ultimately make this roster. I think the role they want him to play is more offensive. It doesn't make any sense to either of us to have him on this team as a fourth-line wing. doesn't really make sense. Another guy you just talked about, uh, Derek Grant. You know, maybe talk about those two. Maybe where you see Grant fitting in if he ultimately does make this team. I mean, he's the only guy that scored yesterday, has been probably the most consistent performer over the first few preseason games here. He's going to continue getting a look. I mean, he's been the only guy Biles has thrown out there almost every night. This could be a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere and potentially makes this roster. Am I right? Yeah, I think, you know, I agree with you with Nylander. I think he also, as I said with Bailey, would be better served playing a lot of minutes in Rochester and developing his offensive team down there. We clearly know he has NHL speed from what we've seen so far in 
the couple of preseason games and through training camp and the prospects games, I think Derek Grant actually might fit the perfect role of being that last guy to make the team in the sense that if he is the extra forward that's scratched, um, if he's a guy that maybe goes in one night to provide a spark, you know, that sort of thing, uh, I think he can fill that role. He's also, I think, not a guy that's going to cause any sort of, I don't know if locker room issues is the right sort of thing, but you're not going to set back his confidence in any way if he is a guy that maybe doesn't play on a regular basis, but he still continues to be with the parent club. Where You wouldn't want that with Nylander. You would want him to play. You want him to develop. I think with Grant, there's a lower ceiling than maybe with the other guys that we've mentioned so far. So maybe Grant is the guy that becomes your extra forward, and if you need to shake up somebody toward the bottom of the roster just to you know, do a little wake-up call within – a game or two along the way, you know, at least to start the season. Uh, maybe he can fit that role. Meanwhile, Nylander, Bailey, probably a guy like Nick Baptiste, these are guys that I think you have maybe long-term visions for being stronger players than maybe what Derek Grant can give you in the immediate spot. And then that's where you send him to develop in the American Hockey League and let them play a ton of minutes. And, you know, as Bilesma said about a week ago, like, he expects quite a bit of, turnover this year in terms of what he does with his call-ups from Rochester. Uh, this is not going to be like the tank year where they just kept calling up guys all the time, in essence, to come up and not score. This is going to be, I think, a rotation of, look, we're going to give you know, Baptiste a, a call-up, we're going to give Bailey a call-up, who knows if it's Nylander a call-up. I think they'll all get their chance at some point, but there's going to be a guy that's just going to kind of hang out and be the last guy uh, on the roster and play at times and play not at times. I think Grant maybe fits that role a little better. I'm not saying it's his sewn up at this point, but I just think for the development of those younger guys, this is maybe the best scenario for the Sabres. So uh, let's move on to the blue line here, Brian. And a couple of guys, Brayton and I, were also talking about Cody Franson and, and Casey Nelson, two guys that are probably fighting it out for me, in my mind, for that sixth and seventh defensive spot. What have your What are your thoughts of Casey Nelson so far? Dan Bilesma had some high praise for him after his first game was playing. You know, first line minutes. Um, is this a guy you think is taking that next step as a young developmental prospect for this team? That similar to Jake McKay, basically requires you to keep him on the roster, not because you know of of numbers issues, but because of play, and he's really out there every night showing consistency, and I think that's what we started to see almost right away with some success on the offensive side of the puck, you know, moving it well. Maybe this year he takes that same step that Jake McCabe took. Are you seeing that similar, uh, I mean, maybe the similar progression in his young career? I think so, and up until last night, he was having a very good preseason and training camp. Last And, you know, last night, we could say that about everybody, the whole team was a disaster last year. I think Nelson might have ended up as a minus five or something, minus four or minus five, depending upon how that. There were so many goals last night, it was even tough tough to keep track of that by the end. Um, One thing I do like about Nelson that I see a little in McCabe and I see a little in some of the the better puck-moving defensemen, he's very smooth along the blue line and able to get that shot through. So often we see, I think, frustration in this league with defensemen not being able to get shots through everybody wants to clog lanes and block shots. It's like the thing to do in the NHL. Part of the reason I feel like it drags down offensive play. Nelson, at times during this preseason and prospect games and all that sort of stuff, I feel like I've seen him where he's had that kind of good shiftiness along the line where he looks like he's able to handle moving his body and still at the same time be able to get that puck released where it got to the net. Buffalo's first goal, if you remember, in the preseason against Minnesota, 
uh, last Monday would have, or Monday rather, was an exact example of this. Nelson kind of gets some pressure. He kind of shifts a little bit toward the middle of the ice, gets the shot through, just kind of a low wrister, and then Gergensen's able to put home the rebound. Pucks on the net is a cliche, but I think getting shots blocked and getting shots through are a much more frustrating thing to watch, and he seems to have that knack to do that. I like that from him. But, again, I would, I would put him in the same category as someone like Nylander. If you're going to keep him, then I need to have him in my final pairing. I don't want him to be the seventh guy that just gets in every once in a while because of his age and because of the fact that I think he needs to develop. I think that's maybe where someone like Falk would sit in. He's the guy that could be number seven. That, right. All right. Kind of play the role that like Mike Weber did last year. All right, well, if you get in and play once a week or you know once every two weeks, well, that's fine. I think that's maybe what more of the intention of the Falk signing was. And then if Nelson's good enough, and so far I think he has shown that, I'd like to see him play, but I want him to play that. I don't want him to sit if he's going to be with Buffalo. All right, Brian, let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Ryder Cup action this weekend. We're currently in the morning session, foursomes right now. We've got some Saturday afternoon four ball. And for those that maybe aren't familiar with the formatting here, um, maybe give the, give the folks an idea of what we're looking at this morning compared to what we'll see in the afternoon time. Right now, as it stands, the U.S. still up 6.5, 5.5 here. So they've still got a thin lead. But after that first day, you're thinking, wow, is the U.S. going to run away with this? But now it's starting to even up. I mean, Hendrick Stenson and obviously of Rory McIlroy playing just evil villain right now against the U.S., just scorching. I, the, the European team is deep throughout where I think, you know, the U.S. team is definitely top-heavy here. You know, Dustin Johnson so far has kind of struggled, um, you, especially yesterday. But, you know, maybe explain the, the, the format differences. Obviously on Sunday we'll have singles. But today we have two sets of formats here, so maybe go through a little bit about that. Yeah. Yesterday and today are identical in the sense there's an afternoon session and a morning session. The morning session they call foursomes, but probably everybody, if, you know, if you've played this format or have heard of this format, it's alternate shot. You only play one ball. So if you and I are, are playing, Nate, in this foursomes, you would tee off, and then I would hit from your ball the second shot, and then hopefully I would hit it on the green, and then you would putt the third putt from there. And then the next hole, we would flip it. I would tee off. You would then hit the approach shot, and then I would putt. And, you know, you go through that progression where, you know, whatever the decision is strategy-wise, you would tee off first on all the even holes. I would tee off first on all the odd holes, and it kind of goes like that. So that's what foursomes is called. That was what this morning was and yesterday morning was. The afternoon yesterday and today is called four ball. That's what's called best ball. Everybody plays their own ball. And whoever ends up with the better score counts. So if you and I were playing and I got a par and you got a birdie, well, a birdie would count for our team. So that's kind of how it looks. Um, you know, strategically, you usually try to put the more consistent players in the foursomes, the alternate shot, because there's only one ball out there. So you don't want to have a guy that's kind of a, a hot, cold, erratic, which is why I question Davis Love's decision to put Phil Mickelson out there in this format both days. Mickelson, to me is the epitome of hot, cold, risk-reward sort of thing. He's not slow and steady. That's, that's maybe more of a guy like Brant Snedeker, Matt Kuchar, Zach Johnson, just kind of plug away. I don't know if boring golf's the kind of thing, but that's kind of the way you want to play it. Now, in the afternoons, it's four ball. That's where I think where Mickelson would have been in a great spot. Now, he is going out today. He didn't yesterday in the afternoon because he can be aggressive and he can hit all those shots, those magical shots that we know he's got talent to do. And then guess what? If he messes up, 
his partner's still in play. He's got a chance to, you know, keep the, the team alive. So that's kind of the strategy. Dustin Johnson, J.B. Holmes, the Bombers, great format for them to play like in the afternoon because they can, you know, take out driver and say, I'm going to try and go for it here. Or if the first guy hits the ball in play, you can be a little bit more aggressive and that sort of thing. So that's the format. And as you mentioned, tomorrow, all singles matches and nobody sits, all 12 people will play. And the U.S. definitely has to feel themselves a little reeling right now. They got off to that 4-0 start. Spieth and Reed have been a real spark plug for them, and they just gave away a half point here at the end to Garcia and uh, Cabrera Bello. So who knows? Europe has to be feeling pretty good about themselves. That They were down 4 nothing, and as you said, staring maybe getting blown out. And now all of a sudden, they're just one match from being tied. Yeah, and I mean, especially when you get into Sunday, I think the U.S. really kind of wanted to take a bigger lead going into Sunday, knowing you've got guys like Rory, you've got guys who have won majors this year, you've got Danny Willett, you've got a guy like Henrik Stenson who has just been on fire really all season long. You know, maybe not the most ideal situation to be putting yourself in on Sunday where you really need then to be consistent, but you also need to make some shots. You can't go out and play defense on Sunday. You need to go out there. And a guy like Dustin Johnson, who I think struggled this weekend, then you're going to be relying on guys like Dustin Johnson, relying on guys like Phil, you know, these guys who have experience. And maybe Jordan Spieth now, we could say, has experience somehow. The kids, you know, not even can't even drink legally. And now you're going to be, you know, leaning on a guy like Jordan Spieth to maybe bring you home here. What are, the, uh, what are you going to be watching for tomorrow? Obviously, we know what the Europeans are going to bring. Rory McIlroy, as we mentioned, really playing well right now. But then you've got guys like Henrik Stenson, you know, Martin Keimer. You've got... People on the European side who have done it, obviously, historically, Europeans have dominated this tournament. What do you see? Maybe a prediction here for you. Can the U.S. hold off and, and you know have some clutch shots on Sunday? Or is this something where you think it's just going to be plug, 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 and Europe, the Europe kind of runs away with it at the end? I think, for, I think if the U.S. can have a lead still going into tomorrow, I would still consider them the favorites in this tournament. They're on their home turf. They do have quite a bit of players that have played in this event before. I know when you see McElroy, Stenson, Rose, the Garcia, these names that we just see every year burn the U.S. in the Ryder Cup, you think, yeah, they've got it. But in terms of rookies, Europe actually has more on their roster this year in terms of Ryder Cup experience. So you get to tomorrow, and they don't have a teammate to maybe rely on that's been through the scenario before. Maybe then the experience of the United States could come back into play. The home crowd could come back into play. I mean, Home course advantage, crowd, doesn't really do it in golf, but in an event like this, it does. I mean, the intensity for those that have been watching it is, is pretty remarkable. So it makes this, this event so special. But the U.S. has to have the lead going into tomorrow. They already have got to feel like there's so much pressure on them right now. This, to me, the Ryder Cup might be won or lost this afternoon because the U.S. right now knows coming in, everything was set up for them, the course, they got all the captain's picks they wanted. They got everybody on the team that they wanted. And this huge lead is slipping away. And the demons of, holy cow, Europe's won eight of the last ten Ryder Cups. We can't blow this one again. That's going to be creeping into their minds if, they have, uh, if they've lost their lead going into tomorrow. So I feel like if the U.S. can maybe grab three out of four here or at least two and a half points this afternoon, get themselves still feeling good about themselves going into tomorrow. If Europe has the lead... Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't even want to know what's going right. on in their heads right now because the, the demons of them choking away tournaments or finding ways to lose is going to come back. And you know, we've, if, you know, for anybody that's watched Ryder Cup history, Garcia, McElroy, you know, Rose, these guys love, they, they 
love the pressure. They step up on these stages. And in the past, a lot of U.S. guys have not given their best game. So I'm curious to see how it goes off today and if somebody else maybe for the U.S. can step up and try to be that villain for the U.S., like you mentioned earlier with how Rory and uh, Stenson have been so far. So the afternoon round's getting underway now, and uh, you can watch that live too right on Ryder Cup. Com. So that's pretty nice. You can stream it, and it's also on TV as well. Brian, thank you for hopping on with me. Uh, of course, I miss the early mornings on Tee to Green, so make sure you let Jeff and, uh, and Kevin know uh, I say hello and uh, can't wait for next season. Yes, we miss seeing you every Saturday morning too, bright and early. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. You'll have to, you'll have to uh, finish off our foursome. We'll have to get around in here before the, before the fall weather changes. I'm into that for sure. No, uh, no doubt about it. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you coming out on Saturday. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too. Thanks, Nate. Brian Cozio there on the AT&T Hotline. Uh, a lot we went over there. If you missed any of that interview with Brian, you can check it out on our website, WGR550.com. and the Audio Vault section, uh, went over a little bit of Ryder Cup action, some good stuff as always. We also talked to little Sabres as well. So when we come back, it's our final break here. Uh, I'm going to go over some of my picks for this weekend for football, for NFL that is, and holy cow, Notre Dame's defense is maybe worse than Syracuse's, and that is saying a whole lot. So 803-0551-888-550-2550. If you've got any other things you want to add, I'll take your calls on the next, uh, after this break. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Nate Geary. Brayton Wilson alongside me here. This is WGR. The high, the high holy month, October 1st. Turned out to be a pretty beautiful day. When I came in this morning, I thought for sure the rain, the clouds, this was probably going to be one of those days. It's like the first day of October. Of course, it's going to be crappy, 60, 55, and raining. But turned out to be a lovely day. I unfortunately am not going to have an opportunity to go out and catch one of these great high school football games that are today that I'd really want to catch. My cousin coaches over at Maryvale. They, they got a big game against Burgard today, I believe. Um... So good luck to them. Hopefully they get, they win that, continue to stay undefeated there for Maryvale and obviously Orchard Park-Lancaster. Um, so if you've got any updates on that Orchard Park-Lancaster game, I definitely accept tweets at WGR. I uh, would love some updates on that game as I was very focused in on Lancaster's ability to beat Orchard Park because you know, let's, let's be honest here, I'm not, not really an Orchard Park fan. You know, grew up uh, Frontier Falcon myself. Uh, our biggest rivalry was with Orchard Park. So uh, I will take... Uh, I'll root for Lancaster in this one, mostly because I continue to rank them number one in the Inside High School Sports football poll. But uh, I want to thank some of the uh, guests I had on with me today, which includes Sal Capaccio, who uh, came on early this morning with me, gave us his three-dog picks for the week. And then we had Bleacher Report's Tyler Dunn. He came on the broadcast. We talked a lot at NFL. We talked some bills. And, uh, you know, it was always good to have Tyler on. So appreciate him spending some of his Saturday out in Minnesota where he's going to be doing an article on the Vikings defense. So you'll want to pay attention to Bleacher Report for when Tyler gets your local touch on Bleacher Report. I know it's, uh, it is nice. I've always been a big fan of Bleacher Report. But now that there's a local guy there uh, doing great things for them, um, it's even more you know reason to go read some stuff from him. Um, so uh, so thanks again to Tyler and, of course, to Brian Koziel, who was, uh, had his son's soccer game today that he took some time away from to, uh, to talk some hockey and golf with us. Appreciate that, as always. So, Brayton, uh, appreciate you coming in giving, uh, and relieving Derek, who hasn't uh, had a day off in, like, you know, all year. 
so we'll be back next week. However, it will be only one hour. Uh, we've got 11 to 12 sports talk Saturday next week, and then we've like I think there's some high school, not high school. There's some college football going on from I believe noon until I think really all day, and then there might be a Sabres broadcast later that night. But uh, so I will only be on one hour next week. That will be previewing hopefully a two and two Bills team going up against the LA Rams on the road in Los Angeles. So Sale will be back for you the following week when they take on San Francisco, the next home game. Sale will be back in the saddle, and I'll be producing for Sale that Saturday. So uh, so stay tuned. If you missed any of the show today, you can go to WGR550.com, go to the Audio Vault section, the on-demand audio, and uh, I've got all, have all three hours posted on there. So if you missed anything, you missed uh, Sale and Tyler Dunn's interviews this morning, you're going to want to go back, listen to those. They were good, especially Tyler Dunn. Of course, we hear Sale all the time. We're spoiled. Uh, we've got the great Sal Capaccio here always, obviously, and, and he'll have his um, extra point show on Monday. He'll uh, go over the Bills' hopefully winning performance against the Patriots tomorrow. So, again, thanks to Tyler, Brian, and Sal, of course. And for me, Nate Geary, and for Brayton Wilson, appreciate your, uh, your help today. We will be on next week. You are listening to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.